going on, John? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Not much. How are you? <laughs> uh, doing good, bro. Cool, cool. Yeah. I was just reading about Blizzard of Oz on mm-hmm. Wikipedia's. Yeah, I was finding some good stuff too. Did you did you read the um the Wikipedia thing, the main part? Um, no, but I read some other uh stuff that I just happened to come across with uh Daisley and piecing together some stuff with Curry's Lake and yeah. trying to get a trying to get a feel on uh how that album was put together and who wrote what. Yeah, it's really it's really fucking tragic man beyond like the death of randy it's like that whole band just got screwed over yep and uh, don't get me started on sharing (laughs) i know man the ending of it says uh although sharon has said that the recording of blizzard of oz was one of the best experiences of her life she was in la during the recording and not yet involved with the band Osborne's then wife Thelma was present at the Ridge Farm Studios for much of right. the recording. And they they said she was just a sweetheart. She was she oh, was yeah. there. She was there I think even um right up until the second album I think. Huh. Yeah, but I read I read a quote from her today where she said uh the reason they were um they took the record took them out of the recordings. Mm-hmm. Is because of is because of their intrusive and abusive behavior with their lawsuits. So that's Wait, what she blames. That's sorry. what she. That's what she blames. That's why she says they re-recorded him. You know, Ozzy says he was against oh. you ever ever doing that. Yeah, uh, I got wh- the quote. Why, why did she say they say it again? Why did she? Say, I I thought you were talking about Thelma again. So. Sharon said she removed Bob and Lee from the recordings because of their unjust and abusive behavior filing lawsuits. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. But they they put it back to the original lineup for the uh, 30th anniversary. Yeah. And supposedly, so what we've been listening to mm-hmm. is Bob and Lee, right? I think so, because I've been listening to the 40th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with the, yes, it's expanded, they call it, yeah. Yeah. It sounded great. I listened to it on the way home from work today, and uh, it sounded great. I was like, fuck, man, the drums sound really solid and mm-hmm. kind of dark sounding. They're not all bright. It's like, right. I really, really liked it. Yeah. Do you, uh, I was listening to Max and he was saying how when they were recording the first album, how they fired their first engineer because they put the drums in like the stone room with a low concrete ceiling. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was just reading that too, that they hated it and they, they fired him and bought Max in. Yeah. He didn't get no more money though. What was that? He didn't get any more money or anything like that, but they gave him, uh, and then giving him producer credit was kind of just even an afterthought on the album. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think somebody said, hey, we should give this guy. Well, yeah, it says it's un, it says it's uncredited, though he did go on to produce all of Osborne's albums prior to 
1986 is the ultimate sin. Huh. Yeah. I guess he did some Megadeth stuff too, right? I know he did a lot of stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like yeah. a cool guy. I, I listened to that whole thing. Yeah. It yeah, was... was uh, what The two things that I thought were interesting, one was the way Randy recorded solos and practiced them. Mm-hmm. I think he said he put them on a loop or something and he would just practice to the loop. Yeah, he would do like the 15 seconds before the solo and 15 seconds after the solo. And then he'd uh-huh. put like he'd put like about 16 or 17 of those in a row. And then uh, they he'd leave them to it and they'd go to the pub. They'd start drinking and they'd come back and he'd say, how's it going? And he'd say, uh, about another half hour. And then so they'd, they'd go out and leave them alone. And then they come back and they'd be yeah, let's try it, let's try it. But he said the um, some of the recordings now he, are the remastered ones. He's not sure if they even got it right on which solo was supposed to be the center and which one was supposed to be panned. Hmm. You know, because it, it was done specifically, like the certain solo was was the center uh, one, and the other two were supposed to be panned or a little bit different. So he's saying they might have they might have put the solo that was supposed to be panned to the right up front in the center. Oh, yeah. So, so, we, you're so not... we would have to listen to the old recordings to know, right? Right. Nobody saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And then like that kind of makes me think that last you know the crazy train solo that last lick in the mm-hmm. solo. Yep. It's got it's got to be varied. He's been doing like three tracks and they're like a little bit varied because he never even really attempts that lick even when he's playing live. Well, did you did you check out the um the uh the I mean there's only one that I know of where he does a clinic and the kid asks him like how do you play that lick? And he plays it? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. He fucking plays it and it's just like like it's it's so simple. I'm right. Like, Fuck, that's what he's doing. But you're it's right. It's six he's notes just... and then it's six notes and then repeated an octave up, right? I don't remember, but I just know that it was like probably the way we used to play it. But we were like, "Is that really it?" Because it sounds so much cooler, you know. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it sounds a lot more of a flurry of notes. But right. that's what he did. I mean, it wasn't like totally slow, but it was like, you know, it was like triplet hammer-ons. Um, and it, he played it kind of sloppy, like nothing, you know, it's like normal. Uh-huh. I didn't even think he had a good tone in that class, but it was it was just really simple. It just didn't sound anything like the record. So I think you're right, because there's like, they're, they're like a little bit different. So you can't really tell what he's doing. Right, like flying high, and again at, at that solo, he does like a da 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 da, and then the other guitar goes da 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 da. But both together, you're when you hear both of those together, you're like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> you hear both things right. and you go, is it this or is it that? And you yeah. know, so you got one guitar like a half a second behind the other one. You know, right. yeah. How the hell he? Where did he come up with the idea to do that? I mean, nobody ever did. Did anybody ever do that before? Daisley said they were doing that, and um, like with Uriah Heep and stuff. He 
he said we you know we started incorporating some of the stuff that I had done before with like triple tracking but do you think that he I thought that I heard him do it with quite right on some of those quite right recordings oh probably he probably did yeah 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 Ozzy's I, doing it with his vocals too Max Norman said he doubled sure. he would double everything yeah 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 we didn't talk yeah, about that with the Kiss one. You talked about Gene doing it, but I think Paul does all his vocals that way. Um, I saw this video, the singer talking about how Paul records his vocals, and it was like he called it a gang vocal. So it was like three vocals for the lead. Oh wow! And you can kind of hear it on songs like "Stole Your Love." Um, sometimes you can hear it, and it's obvious, but uh-huh. it's really made me think a lot about my recording because, like, I never do that. But I'm doing it on a couple choruses on this record that I'm working on now. Uh-huh. But I never really liked the idea of doing it because it just doesn't sound like a singer. It sounds like, I don't know, it definitely has a different quality for sure, but I think a lot of people do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I never knew it because I never paid attention. Uh huh. It's interesting. Yeah. Yep. So you might start doing a little bit more of that. Or you don't? Is it the equipment that doesn't make it sound good? Well, I mean, there's a lot going in. Not not on my end, but the guy who mixes, he he's he's really good with like making vocals sound pro. You know, like there's some moments when. Stuff that I've done with him where I'm just like, I can't believe that he did that with my voice. You know, it's like, it's and then you go, cool. and you go, that's me. How did I do that? And I don't know. I have no idea how he did. How he? Did. It's just like he just knows what to use to dial it in. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. Because he's done pop records and stuff. So like he, he has, he's like really, he really knows studio equipment. Like I, I sat in on a clinic he did one time about a piece of equipment. I don't even know what the fucking thing did. Like I didn't even understand what it was for. And it was I can't even put I can't even put it into a category. Like I was just like I have no idea what he was doing. But he was talking he told some stories and like talked about a song but then he did a little thing about the piece of equipment at the end. But um like he's really good. And I, and I could never do something like that. So I have no yeah. idea what he does. But that's why I like him, because he can do stuff like that. So I don't know. That's a gong in the beginning, huh, in, re- in reverse? That's what I was going to ask you. I thought it so, too. I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, I, that song's got everything, dude. And the bass on that song, I never hear bass on when I go, oh, oh I want to learn that. But I'm going back on guitar and picking out his bass lines. They're they're pretty trippy. Huh. I uh I noticed something about his bass and I forgot it's something that I know about Gene too. Um I was talking to a friend of mine about I don't know how it came up, but he said you if you want to know what a Gibson bass sounds like, listen to Gene Simmons. And I was like, Is that what he is that what makes him sound like that? And he's like, yeah. And and I don't like his bass sound at all. And I was listening to this album, Blizzard of Oz, recently, and I was like, that sounds kind of like Gene Simmons' bass tone. And I looked it up, and Bob Daisley plays a Gibson bass. <laughs> really? I don't really like his bass tone. It's like a little too pronounced. 
Not uh-huh. in a cool way. I like more low end and less mid. I don't know. It's got like some mid range. Yeah. But he does cool stuff. I mean, you know. Yeah, he does some out of the box kind of licks that they don't fit, but they do. Yeah, Crazy Train is weird. Like the do 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 do. It's it's mm-hmm. really weird. You would yeah, it's they, like the off time. Do 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 Yeah, but that's a big part of it. You don't really notice it, but it's a big part of it. Yeah, the him and Chris like together, like just the way they come in on that. You know, and I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he does that. Like just punches him notes in there. Yeah. I did you play along with this album a lot? Because I played along with this album for fucking hours. Yeah. I don't know how many years, but like probably like three or four years. Yep. And then I and then I never played it for years and years and years. Now I'm disappointed I when I go back. I'm like, oh man, I used to play it pretty tight. Oh, the parts. Yeah. Oh, I thought you. Oh, you're talking about just listening to it. Well, no, I was talking about playing along to it when we were kids, but then you then after that, I was just I didn't know what you meant if you meant playing or or listening. Oh yeah, no, playing yeah. Yeah, I haven't played along with it in a long time, but um, I used to just love like his like the first lick on I don't know. I used to love to play that and try to play the solos and and just all mm-hmm. the little parts like they're just yeah. so cool, man. <laughs> and then it's he used that lick again in Flying High again. Oh, really? The, the exact same lick at the very beginning. Oh. Right before, right before the vocal comes in, wanna 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 do, instead of going, he goes, wanna 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 do, same, same pull, you know, pull off on the B string, pull off on the G string, yeah, but he just, and I don't know, he has, he has a couple little more, dinner dinner dinner, instead of just, I didn't know he did. You think he did it with the open B? I didn't think he did it with the open B. I do, yeah. He probably did. I always played it on the G string. I went, and then I played the open the A to the open G. Oh, okay. Well, flying high again. I, I think he does because it, you could just hear him like pull down, pull off, pull off, pull off, pull off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It's more. Yeah, like and it's all. That way. There's no like space in between the note, you know, for him to move his finger. The, mm-hmm. the other finger is just already poised over the string. Ready to right, pull off. Right, right. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah. But I remember you playing it on the G string. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how you try, that's how you showed it to me. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Yeah, but oh, and then the the other little fills where it goes. <laughs> you think he's doing that with two hands or with one? Which one is that? Oh, where he does the. Yeah, where it's where it's really fast hammers on the G string. Yeah, I, I, I think it's two hands. I always yeah. used to play it that way, I think. Yeah, I used well, to play it with two. I'd play on the C and the B with two hands, and then when it goes down to the A note, I would just use the one hand. Right. Because it's only like two times. Uh, Listen to us nerding out. <laughs> 
Well, who else can I talk to about this shit? That's I know. In my head for hey, 50 years. And for <laughs> for anybody anybody listening out there, you should know that John was playing this Randy Rhodes stuff when he was in what seventh grade, six six seventh grade. <laughs> I don't think no. I had to be in ninth grade. Still ninth grade <laughs> with with no YouTube, nobody showing it to you. Just a tape record, just you and a tape recorder, and well, just to, to be learn that, yeah, just to learn to be able to learn that and play that, yeah. But Randy Rhodes wasn't learning Randy Rhodes, you know what I'm saying? He was learning. What was he learning? Shaker, Shaker. Last. <laughs> yeah. I think like Shaker. Yeah, and I, I don't. I looked for for him to make comments about Shaker, and I never could find any. I think I saw it somewhere. You know, I think it's in that clinic. I think he'll do like my, you know, like he, he was so humble. He would say like, I like everybody who plays guitar. That was what he, how he would answer that question. That's cool. Just a fucking cool motherfucker. Man. Yeah. And Mick, uh, what's the guy from, uh, I always forget his name. Mick, Mick Ronson. Uh, Mick Ronson. You know, I never knew who Mick Ronson was when I used to read the Randy interviews, and I think he would refer to him sometimes. Uh-huh. Because I had all those guitar player and guitar world. And, and, yeah. Uh, and I think he would refer to him, and he looks a lot like him. And I was thinking he about... He like I, him too, right? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but when I, when I was driving home today, I was thinking about it. I was like... You know, the term heavy metal didn't really exist quite yet commonly, like it was being used at this time. But, you know, Randy was in Quiet Riot, which was like a, they were into like glam, you know? Yeah. They are probably into Bowie yeah. and, the, and The Sweet and right. the band Mama We're All Crazy Now. Who did that song? Um, the, the band that well, they That other one twice. is... Yeah, oh, um, Slade. Yeah, they yeah were like Slade really did come Slade. on through the noise. Yeah. yeah, so like that's what they were into. That's what he was into as far as playing. And then he um, got into this Aussie thing, and that's probably why he didn't like him that much. Because like he was into the, another style of music. Because they said he they hated Black Sabbath. Right. They didn't like Sabbath. He didn't like Sabbath. Like he wasn't a fan. And when. Dana Strum asked him to come and audition. He was like, kind of dragging his feet a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you hear the Dana Strum interview where he talks about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Crazy, and then his dude. playing, his playing, um, from when he was with Quiet Riot to those albums with Ozzy, just light years ahead of what he was doing with Quiet Riot. Do you think he had yeah. all that ability, but was just holding back on him when he was with Quiet Riot? Because like it could, well, they wouldn't flesh out those kind of ideas. Well, the, part of it I think was the dark Aussie thematic shit that he was now able to do. He knew how to do it because he understood music. He does all kinds of tritones and diminished yeah. arpeggios, which you know, mm-hmm. who had ever done that before? I don't. You know, um, Eddie Van Halen. So it's a whole other. We could spend a whole hour talking about how Eddie Van Halen said that. Randy Rhodes did him to a T, which I read when I was a kid, and I was like, that's bullshit. Even as a kid, yeah. I knew that was bullshit. Yeah. He didn't sound anything like fucking Andy Van Halen. If he used his right hand ta- and tapped on a couple of notes here, that, that's it. shit, because everybody was doing it. Right. 
Right. Um, but he was doing a lot of really dark um, stuff, and I think he had a unique way of doing it. You know, like he yeah. did stuff that that you know Tony Iommi didn't do any of those diminished um, right. arpeggios or anything. And, like on Believer. And, yeah. When it goes doo doo doo. Right. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? That diminished? Well, yeah, yeah, that's but there's spooky. a lot of he does it in a lot of solos. Like I think Steal Away the Night, I think, you know, he he just does a he does a lot of diminished scale. Yeah. I mean uh, arpeggios. Which mm-hmm. is like a tritone. Like if you're on the G G to B flat, then you do C sharp to D flat or C right. sharp to well, like um, steal away when he goes, he like goes all the way down and then he and he brings it back up. Yeah, I yeah. don't even know. Um, yeah. I don't even know uh, where he does it in that song or if he does it in that one, but I know he does it in in almost in a lot of songs, and that was very unique. And and Diary of a Madman, I mean, there was no room for something like that in um, Quiet Riot. I mean, right. I think he just, I think he just was up to, you know, when you get challenged, he was smart. He had a great year. He knew a lot of theory and he was put, you know, he had this amazing opportunity and he had control, you know, like he could do what he wanted. But I agree. I think those Quiet Riot songs are pretty bad. So maybe yeah. he also had help from Bob Daisley writing. You know, maybe yeah. some of the chords came from Bob Daisley. Maybe some, maybe he, they wrote together and Bob Daisley made them better songs. You know. Cool. Yeah. When he's when he reads off the the chords in Diary of a Madman, like mm-hmm. oh, it's just it's just you know your A sustained fifth diminished, you know, <laughs> and and the it, it goes. <laughs> It goes from that into your harmonic. The way he's just naming them off, you're like, holy shit. And all those chords are in that song. There's like so many beautiful chords, but the way he yeah. used them is just incredible, yeah. man. Well, that song's a masterpiece, those chords it, in that song. It is. What was I going to talk? Okay, so let's. Okay, so I don't know. I used to love playing that. I used to play that on probably every day and then Crazy Train. Right. Um, do you remember the first, what's the first song you heard off this album? Do you remember the first time you heard anything off this album? Yeah, it was Crazy Train. Was it on the radio? I remember, no, it was um, one of my brother's friends. We were, I was probably like 13 or something, and we were going over over to his house to get some pot. And he's like always a, like a bragger type dude. He'd, mm-hmm. he'd smoke his cigarettes. He'd, he'd smoke it down to half and then throw it down and step on it. My brother would go, what are you doing? And he'd be like, fucking, I got money, dude. Like, he's just like a brag. <laughs> fucking brag. That's like his whole attitude. He's like brag. He's just a bragger. And he's all, yeah, I got the new Ozzy album, dude. You fucking hear it, dude. He's like, and when it, when it was on, it was like, whoa. Yeah. So it was that. Yeah, I heard, I heard it for the first time. And uh, it was crazy trained. But uh, he was he played the whole album. So I got to hear the first time I heard it, I heard the whole album. Yeah, I um I remember I was on the bus with my friends uh going to school and um this song came on and it was like I just remember 
it was like, I, I, I remember that part, the intro, and I was so blown away by the intro. Um, and I asked my friends, who, who is this? And they're like, I think it's Black Sabbath, right? Uh-huh. And Black Sabbath's album, I think, had just come out, too, with, with Dio. Dio, right. So I had never heard Ozzy Sabbath before. Like, I had never... I know you had... You had um, we sold our soul for rock and roll, but I don't think we ever listened to it. Maybe it was scratched no. or something. Like I had never heard Sabbath before. So I didn't never I, liked them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I never they never even played Paranoid on the radio. I mean, I never heard it on KMT. I never heard Black Sabbath on KMT. All I did was listen to KMT, and I never heard no. Black Sabbath. Well, you remember that dude Hans that lived down in that junky yeah. house? Yeah. He he was huge into Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. Mm. And then I, you know, what I thought about the you know, was the whole church thing. I won't go into that, but so yeah. I I was I I was never a big fan of them either because it was you know there was certain things in their lyrics and stuff that I didn't like mm. and uh, like and backward stuff and all that. Mm. So. And it turns out, you know, after when you get older and you read a little bit, you find out that, you know, a lot of that was true. Then recording it in Crowley's house and, you know, Led Zeppelin I'm talking about. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was into those. So that's why, you know, I don't, we never really liked him. That's why we didn't listen to him. Because it was like choppy and rough and the Ozzy's voice was weird, you know. <laughs> well, I never heard it. I never heard okay. Sabbath until so I heard Crazy Train, and then the you know the the Heaven and Hell album came out with Dio, and I got that I got really into that separately. But it's weird because my mom had bought me. You know how they used to have those rock rock band or sort of rock album piano books, but yeah. it's just like piano parts and chord right. chord charts. Uh huh or chord diagrams or whatever you call those things. Uh-huh. And so she got me one for Black Sabbath, and I don't remember what album. I think it was just like a best of or something because I had songs from Paranoid on it. Uh-huh. And um, maybe it was Paranoid. But I don't think it was Paranoid. It didn't have Paranoid on the cover. But anyway, so I would like, I was so hungry for information about music. Like I, I would learn those songs and play what I could from the book, but I never heard the songs, you know? So I, oh, really? like, yeah, it was really weird. It was just like this. I like I read the lyrics and stuff, but I never heard the songs. And then so, anyway, months went by before I actually heard the Ozzy album. Um, I just heard that one song my friends played on their tape recorder. They didn't know it was a tape that their brother they took from their brother or something, and they just put it on, and and it was like, you know, it blew my mind. But I, I know it was that song because of the intro i remember the intro but uh-huh. um the first time i heard it, it was just like what the fuck is this you know like just mostly the intro it was just like whoa and was that was that some of the first solos you started learning what were the what were some of the first solos that you started learning or that was that judas priest like sad well, wings of destiny and stuff like that it's hard to like I was talking about it before on one of these shows where I was learning I only had an acoustic guitar or a classical guitar 
and I was learning, trying to learn Sarah Davin solo and Hotel California solo. And um, so I think that's where I started to try, but I couldn't bend strings or anything. Uh-huh. So it was the summer after eighth grade when I got an electric guitar. So it had to be then. I probably started right away trying to learn solos. And I don't remember, but that was, I don't know if this was, this was, I hadn't heard this album yet then. So I think uh-huh. I heard this album, like it came out in March of 81, I think. Yeah, in September of 80 um, overseas, but then March of 81 over here. Yeah. Six months later, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what I was learning, um, maybe Juice, but I know I know that I know that I learned Beyond the Realms of Death and when I auditioned for my friend's band, you know, in high school, I started playing with those guys. Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons because they were they were really into that song and I taught them all how to play it and I mean the solo and um Oh yeah, I used to do that good. And you're like this. This one's Glenn. I think this one's KK. Yeah, you know, you you learn better. (laughs) Yeah, more melodic and stuff. You said, yeah. 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 So there's a there's a lyric on I don't know that I never knew what he said until tonight when he says uh, when he says um, how do I know I got left behind. I got lost. I never could understand what he said when he said, I got lost. Is that what he says? I thought he said outlaw. No, it's, I got lost. I got left behind. I got lost. Wow. Remember how we were talking about outlaw. lyrics that you never knew? Yeah. Lyrics yeah. that you never knew? Yeah. I always thought yeah. he said outlaw there. Yeah, I got I to gotta flip you this uh, article if I can find it again. I just was reading it tonight. It had a bunch of interesting stuff like Crazy Train. You know, uh, how Max Norman was saying how Ozzy said, oi. And then he'd play it back and he and then he says, oi. And then he, he would say it after it. So there's two. And then he'd go, okay, do it again. And then he missed it. He was, he was going to double it, but he missed it. So when they played it back, it was like, oi, oi. And he said, shit, do it again. And then he did it again. Uh-huh. But when they when they re-recorded the tapes, Max mm-hmm. said that's how you, that's another way you could tell the difference because you hear it go like I I I I I I, and the the original is just three times oi oi mm-hmm. oi, and you don't hear all that echo that keeps going what, after it. What is the I? Is it supposed to be like I I Captain or something? I never no, it's what that it's oi, like over like Australia people say it, people in London say it. It's a O-I, oi. But it doesn't sound like he's saying oi. I think the original does. Hmm. I always thought it was I. Yeah. And I never knew what it was, but it just sounds cool. Right. (laughs) But that's what Max was saying was it was oi. Huh. Yeah. Which sounds much cooler the way Ozzy says it than oi, because that's like a punk rock thing. Right. Yeah. Oi. Yeah. yeah, and then that little Munchkin voice at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a trip, right? I can hardly even remember it. It sounds kind yeah. Of I mean, I, if you ask me on a test, if I if I 
there was a munchkin at the end, I guess I would say yes, but... but. It's like, me, boink, me, something like that, <laughs> sounds like that. You know what I'm talking about? Now? Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Um, what else about Crazy Train? Um, well, the way that he does that um, that feedback swell to make it sound like a train grinding on the tracks. Wow, That's, I never that, thought about that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about in the very beginning? Uh, if you think about it, if you think about a train's wheels um grinding on the tracks as it's screeching to a halt. Uh-huh. It's and it kind of has that sound. Wow. You know that screech. Mhm. Yeah. And then I guess the way they came up with the name was uh Bob was doing some you know, the chords underneath and Randy was just messing around with his pedal and he says, Hey man, that sounds that sounds like a train, but it sounds nuts. Uh-huh. And they said and they and they said Crazy Train. Well, I always thought Crazy Train was like like sort of um you know, kiss Black Sabbath always sang about going insane and stuff, like Paranoid uh-huh. and Am I Going Insane? Radiant, whatever that song is called. Um, yeah. He sang about that a lot. I guess, the, you know, the other interesting thing is that Geezer wrote all the lyrics for Sabbath, and this, and he was the bass player, and Bob Daisy wrote all the lyrics for Ozzy, and he was the bass player. Right. <laughs> really well, Ozzy yeah. would, Ozzy would come up with ideas, and then Bob Daisy would write the whole thing, mm-hmm. like around around it, mm-hmm. like Goodbye okay. to Romance. Ozzy had the uh, the melody, uh-huh. and then he was kind of writing it as a goodbye to his days and Sabbath and stuff. But then right. Daisley would, you know, he wrote the message around it. Mm-hmm. Same with Suicide Solution. He, he, you know, Ozzy says it's about Bon Scott, but Daisley says, really, I was writing it about Ozzy. Right, I read that. Yeah, yeah. I read that. And Mr. Crowley... Ozzy always wanted to write a song about Mr. Crowley, mm-hmm. so Daisley was writing it for him. But then he, and Daisley put his little snag on it. He said, and with his words, he was like questioning Mr. Crowley, like, "Why were you doing all this dark and negative shit? You know, right. did you think, did you think you were pure?" Did you, and I would, that always kind of bothered me, like, "Oh, Daisley, you know, wrote all that stuff, like waiting on Satan's call or whatever." But really he kind of like put a little, his own little twist in it from what Ozzy wanted to do. Yeah. Well, we should go back to, uh, should we go back to Goodbye to Romance? Yeah. Should we go back to Crazy Train? (laughs) (laughs) That solo is like iconic, that Crazy Train solo. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's what first grabbed everybody about Randy is that solo. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the intro riff, you know, too. But. Right. And Get By the Romance is just a great fucking song, but I think Randy had that idea. I think it was part of his... Wasn't it part of his guitar solo? Yeah. 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 He says that, uh, you know, Ozzy was singing the melody line to him, and Randy said, uh, hey, you know, what if we do it in this key? Because mm-hmm. he, he already had those chords and stuff, so... Mm-hmm. I think he just used that opportunity to, you know, bring all that stuff together. 
Yeah, that's a beautiful song. Um, yeah. Very Beatlesque, and it's it's really really a great song. Yeah, with the horns at the end and stuff. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the horns, the the uh, the part that Don Airy says he wrote, mm-hmm. and didn't get credit for or whatever. I don't see. I don't know if that really counts. That's sort of arranging. If you play a melody on top of something that's already, I don't know, maybe it's a melody, I guess. But yeah, it's hard. You'd have to you'd have to prove some some of that stuff in court, you know, unless you had right. an agreement. If you have a, a signed agreement, that's different. But what is writing and what is what is arranging is like really hard to prove, I think. Yeah, and is it central to the song? Can the song stand alone without that part and still be that song? Right, good point, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then D, which is, I don't know, it's it's okay. I I used to kind of like it, I guess. What's interesting about it is he he doubles... D like with with a he plays it with one guitar, a steel, and then he steel. doubles yeah. it with nylon, right? Or vice versa, isn't that right? Yeah. I always thought yeah. that. Yeah, no, it is. It sounds it sounds cool, and the record, the management they didn't they didn't want that song on there, oh, but really? Ozzy Ozzy stood up for Randy and said if Randy wants it on there, it's on there. Huh. They didn't think it fit with any with the what's it cohesive with the rest of the album, you know. They're wow. like, what is what what is this? This is, you know. That's weird because Sabbath stuff. always did stuff like that, like little acoustic things like that in between their heavy songs. Oh, really? So it fits right in with what Ozzy had always been doing. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. You know, there was a there was a review before I heard the album. I think I read a review, and they 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 uh, you may have read this review too. Maybe it was in Circus or something, but they called Randy's tone like something like graveyard, like a graveyard. Scent. I don't know. It had the word grave in it, and it always. Uh-huh stuck in my head as a way of describing his tone. Yeah. It's weird. I still, I never forgot that. And it's weird because his personality was totally the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. 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 I think he was just doing the gig, you know, I think that, Yeah. I, I think that he probably wouldn't have done like that dark tone stuff. If it was nausea. That's a good point. I never really looked. I never really thought that. Thought about. That. I didn't either. I like didn't that. either until tonight. And I was driving home listening to it. And I was like, because uh, because quite right didn't sound like that. Yeah, I was wondering. You know, like where did that such a massive shift in style? You know, and you're talking yeah. only a couple months after leaving Quiet Riot. Yeah. Well, you know, it could have been the fact that he was writing for Ozzy. It could have been the fact that he was writing with Bob Daisley, who may have also contributed to the overall tone or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was being challenged and he had a lot of time, you know, he didn't have to teach all day. He could just work on music all day. And right. Maybe he just like really, you know, 
it's it's like sometimes i mean i've had experiences where i'm not trying to compare myself at all but i've had experiences where i had to do something fast and i was challenged and i had an opportunity you know uh, like like to score a film or um to uh you know even even if you have like i've had opportunities when, when i was playing classical when i was in school like I had this opportunity to play this composer's piece and she was kind of, kind of a, a famous composer and she was coming uh-huh. to the, to our university and, and I got to play her piece for this composer symposium. There were no other guitar players. It was all like other instruments. And my teacher asked me, he goes, I don't want to do this shit. You want to do it? And I was like, I just like, yeah, I want to do it. And so uh-huh. it was this piece called clocks and it had like, it was like, you know, it's supposed to be like, replicating the sound of like all these clocks and uh-huh um, it was really hard it was really really challenging and i only had a couple months to to do it um but i really like rose to the occasion i practiced really hard i had so much adrenaline and it was it was it was really really amazing you did something that that amazed yourself huh yeah i just saw that i had like you know, I just rose to the occasion, you know, in a way that I probably wouldn't have if I didn't have that pressure, you know? Right. So he had all, he he knew how to practice. He knew theory, you know, he's in this situation where he has to prove himself or probably lose the gig. And, you know, right. I don't know. I, I just think he, I think that when you're in that situation, it's like fight or flight in slow motion, kind of like, you know, yeah. you just, you just fucking, you get like superpowers. <laughs> well, yeah, and like when you play with better musicians, don't you play better than you do when you play with crappy musicians? Oh, I'm sure that's part of it too. Yeah, yeah, Inspi- they inspire each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has these new slats in the melody department. You know, I mean, he's got a good ear, so he yeah. may have also had how to say and like the pop sensibilities of those songs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never know who contributed what. That's the thing. I mean, I I, w- I wish that like every classic album had um, a camera in the room. I know. Yeah, me too. The song came together because, like, I know how I write songs. You know, it's like if I don't, I forget how I write them though. You know, but when I'm in yeah. the middle of writing it, it's like piece by piece. Sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it happens right away. You know, it's like. Sometimes I'm redo a whole section. Sometimes I just change a chord. But you know, it's like if you're writing with people, everybody has little contributions. And in the end, like I've written songs with people that I don't know what the fuck I did in the song, but I know I was there uh-huh. for the whole writing process. So <laughs> I may have just like suggested a chord here or there, or a melody note, or a lyric. You know what I mean? Like I Yeah, but you weren't keeping score at the time. You know what I mean? You were just like right. you were doing part of the process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. an interest it's a fascinating like on You Said story. It All. On You Said It All, like Randy had the riff and then Dave Lee started arranging it all of it. And then mm-hmm. Lake did the vocal melody. And uh-huh. Ozzy Ozzy was asleep under the drum riser. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Days was like Ozzy did didn't do shit on that song, and he gets and it's he still gets the credit for it. Yeah, man. So I don't know, but 
how do you, how do you think okay like you say writing with people how, how do you think Bob Daisy feels when he writes a lyric let's say like Bark at the Moon where mm-hmm. it's it's ghoulish and it's fiendish and it's kind of scary and mm-hmm. then uh, right before the solo starts Ozzy goes oh yeah baby <laughs> I have no idea if he really cares. Uh, I never even that, thought about that before. That would bug me. I, that always caught my ear. It's like, you know, he's talking about like the werewolf and everything and had nothing to do yeah. with the girl or anything. And then right before the solo, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> like, what? I never thought of that what's, before. What song That's are you, what are you singing right now? That always stuck out. It's like, Ozzy, what were you, you know? Yeah. I don't know, he, he was just going to throw something in right before the solo. So why not? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> it's catchy, though. It's cool. I never, <laughs> yeah. I never thought twice about it. Um, so what do you think about Suicide Solution? You, you said you heard. I can't hear the words that you said you hear. Yeah, it's... um. You know the part at the end where it kind of like goes, kind of like just keeps going on, droning out? Well, yeah. there's a part in the beginning where it's like, oh, people, you uh-huh. really know where, where, uh-huh. and it's like, you gotta, and then there's a part where you hear it, he goes like, this is what it sounds like to me. I don't know if it, but it sounds like it goes, it goes and you might recognize it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I always thought he was just going. I don't know what I. I don't hear words. If you listen close, dude. Yeah. I hear Satan. Satan. Six six six. I don't know. I hear it. I hear it like clear as day. Anybody listening, go listen to that. And, uh, you know, I could find, like, exactly what second it's on in that No, song. it's pretty obvious that, you know, now yeah. I know what you mean. When I was driving home tonight, I was wondering if that's what you meant. I mean, yeah. I've always heard that as, like, him saying nonsense syllables. And so just to get the echo effect or something. But, I, you know, I didn't know he was saying, what, did, what is that one part he said? <laughs> it so sounds to me like, oh, oh I'm, I don't thing, know. Yeah, I got lost. Yeah, I didn't know he was saying I got lost right there. I thought he was saying. Uh, yeah, I always thought outlaw. it was like outlaws or something like that too. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, but and I always thought Bob. it was cool, but it didn't have any meaning like outlaw. Right. But outlaw is kind of a cool word, you know, like yeah. saying he was an outlaw. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fucking kid, that's crazy. But it makes sense, right? I got left behind. I got lost. Yeah. Yeah. Or it makes sense that he was an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> like they say, it's whatever you hear. Yeah. And you're saying uh, like I don't I don't wanna know. Yeah, I don't I yeah. I kinda like not I'm gonna forget on purpose. So yeah. I'm still gonna think it's an outlaw. Okay. Um, <laughs> um so suicide solution, he got sued and he had to go to court, and you know about that, right? Right. The kid. It took like four years himself. to get settled. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, 
and they didn't say anything about Satan. They said that he was advocating for suicide and he was like, yeah. I'm not, it's like, it's about alcohol. Solution. Being a solution to suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they're saying uh, suicide's the only way out. That's, well, that's I the line. A solution is a, like a liquid, like it's suicide solution. Like it's a suicidal liquid. Oh, right. You know? Right. Yeah. But well, there's the, multiple what, meanings. There's like triple meaning. So, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say what the lawyers were saying. They took that line and they isolated it where it said nowhere to, you know, where to hide suicide is the only way out. Don't you know what it's really about? Oh. So they took that particular line and because he said suicide is the only way out. They took that line and said, this is what caused him to do that. And yeah, I guess he was playing that song when he shot himself with the shotgun. Or he had played it that night, right? Yeah, he was listening to it all the time or something. Or was on his turntable. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. they said it was, a, you know, it was his First Amendment right to, even if he said it's better to live, it's better to die than, it's better to kill yourself than live, that he had the legal right to do it. So, right. That would they wouldn't say that now, you know. There things are getting so bad in this country. Like we don't have the right, we don't have freedom of speech anymore. Like I know he probably would have gone to jail. No, depending on the judge, you know, it's a yeah. different world. That's pretty crazy. Totally different world. Yeah, but it is pretty lame. Um, it is pretty. It is pretty lame. Um, I think that, you know, Trent Reznor did the downward spiral. Basically the song, the downward spiral is about basically like saying, just kill yourself. Like, I'm surprised that he never got sued. Oh, wow. I remember reading the lyrics when it came out and I was like, this is fucked up. Yeah. Anyway. So no bone movies. Wait, we got to talk about Mr. Crowley. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I um, well, first of all, I sent you that. I sent you that keyboard intro from that song. I'm going to put it in the notes to a link to it by that band Angel. Uh huh. Oh right, right, right. Don't you think that he stole it from that? It's very similar, but I would, I would. I didn't hear it and go, oh, Mr. Crowley, until you told me. Man, when I first heard that, I was, it was like, do, do, and then it goes into a different thing. But uh, it does that a few times. And it's the same, similar sort of synth sound. It's the same tempo. It's not as good. It's not as melodic. But I'm positive he got it from that. Man. It's the what, same cadence. Like, it's the same. Yeah, it's like too way too similar. So uh -huh. him walking around saying he wrote that is kinda like well Yeah. I guess yeah. he did write but you definitely were inspired. They should get a writing credit too. Yeah. But anyway, um it's his is way better and I love the intro, I love the song and I I um you know, I read a lot about spies and, and uh stuff like that and I came across not long ago that the fact that Anton LaVey and Alistair Crowley even Houdini and um, uh, 
Who else was I going to say? Uh, Hubbard, the guy, that guy. Yeah. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. All these right. guys were involved with intelligence. A lot of them were involved with like English intelligence, but and and so was Crowley. Crowley was a, he was an agent. I have a book by a professor who did you know studied his life, and it's called Alistair Crowley, Agent Six Six Six. That wasn't really his number, but. Uh-huh. Um, it's the name of the book, and I never read the book because it's just like really dense and lots of names, and it's kind uh-huh. of boring. But I watched an interview with the guy the other day because to prepare for this. That's what I want to talk about, Mr. Crowley. But okay. anyway, he he was he was into magic and stuff, but a lot of it was like a cover for intelligence work, and he used to brag about it toward the end of his life. And a lot of people didn't believe him, but um, he was naming certain names. And this guy went and did went to the archives somewhere, some archives, and was able to trace a lot of his, the stuff that he was involved in. He actually credited himself with starting World War One, or getting the U.S. involved in World War One because he allegedly leaked information about the Mesopotamia to the Germans, and they bombed it or something. I don't know the story. Actually, I'm Cra- so Crowley did. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because the U.S. didn't want to get involved in the war until that ship sank, and he, uh-huh. supposedly he wanted to he wanted to give um, the, the he wanted to create a situation that would piss off Americans, so they wanted to get involved in the war or make it easier for them to get involved in the war. So he. Um, Allegedly, he he says he leaked the information about the ship's location, maybe coordinates or something, to the Germans, and they bombed it and sank it or whatever. I might even be getting it wrong, but that's interesting. Essentially, essentially that was it. And and he would, you know, he was he was involved in like lots of sex and drugs in the 30s, maybe the 20s or the 30s. He was partying, and and it was all like his cover. I'm sure he was uh-huh. having fun too, and I'm sure he was really into magic and stuff. He supposedly started a religion, which eventually Elron Hubbard started his religion, and so he was like a friend of a friend of Crowley's, and they think that he got the idea from Crowley because it was very similar uh-huh. to to uh, Scientology. I With the steps what that you take, and, and yeah, I don't know what was similar about it. Yeah. But it was all about like summoning some like goddess or some shit. I don't know. But um, the part that was kind of interesting was that he was into sex and drugs, like free sex and drugs in the um, 30s or maybe 20s, 30s and known for it. And then he died. I don't know. Maybe he died in the 50s. I don't know when he died. But in the 60s, when the free love shit was happening, they they looked up to him and they kind of resurrected him. And plus he had that whole Satan thing and it was like, you know, shocking. And so all these hippies got into Crowley because of the sex and drugs stuff. And so then the rock stars started to get into it and that's how Uh, it all happened. Plus he had like the, you had the Satan sort of the, the demonic horror sort of elements creeping into rock and roll and metal and stuff. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. Or Boris Karloff type shit, yeah. Yeah, and even even the the guy, the Satanic Church guy, it was allegedly a, a CIA guy. So, um, um, what was his name? I said his name before. Anton Levay. 
And that yeah, guy's in the Jose. that guy's in the middle of the eagle. So oh, on the inside of the cover, he's standing on top of the stairs, draped over the banister, with his black cape and shit on the Eagles Hotel California album. Oh, and and you know, I didn't know that. I have to check that out. But yeah. also, I found out from this interview that they said Crowley is on the Sgt. Pepper cover. Really? I don't I don't know if he is, but that's what they said in this oh. interview. Um, I yeah, that Eagles thing is weird. That's 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 weird. You know, I read another book about um, Laurel Canyon. Did I ever tell you about it? Uh-uh. Laurel Canyon and all their all their ties to intelligence, like Jim Morrison's dad was the captain of the ship that um, basically got us into the Vietnam War because it was you know they had this fake Gulf of Tonkin incident that really didn't happen, and then they right. they said that they were shot at, so they shot. You know, right. and the, then the Congress, you know, gave them the authorization for war based on that. Well, Jim Morrison's dad was the captain of that ship. He was like the, the top guy in that ship. So, like, he came from that world of intelligence and, and military uh-huh. brass. And it wasn't only him. It was like Frank Zappa had his dad was like a chemical warfare um, chemist. And but all these guys came from all these people who came to uh, Laurel Canyon were like elite and intelligence people and military brass. And it's just insane how many of them. It's almost like they were planted here to create a music scene. Then the music scene moved to LA, followed them sort of. And um, the Eagles came out of that too. I mean, they came from Texas, but they were here. They were involved with all these people. And it's the elites who are into the Satanism and stuff. And so... I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of legitimate um, satanic ritualistic killings that happened like around that time up in right. California. And like, I don't believe, I'm not a spiritual person at all, but I know that they, that they would do shit like that. Like it now for sure. I know it. So then you have the Eagles writing that shit and it's like, what the fuck well, is listen that? to the, like, listen know. to the, that line. Um, please bring me my wine. Mm-hmm. And okay, so in the Bible it says that the wine is the spirit of God. Uh-huh. And and then so he's like, I called the captain, please bring me my wine. We haven't had that spirit here since nineteen sixty nine. Like the spirit of God hasn't been here since then. Right. Or the spirit yeah. meaning the drink, because they call that spirits too. Yeah, but it's symbolic. No, I know it's a double meaning. Yeah. Yeah, That's double meaning. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It's uh, fascinating. I like him what he does in that solo where he he with one hand he makes it sound like he's tapping. Oh, you know you know the second solo. Oh, in in uh in Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley. I yeah. was gonna say I I don't remember. There's some great moments. I think that when I was playing along with Ozzy songs. You know, as a kid, um, Mr. Crowley was my favorite. And my favorite moment is the first solo in Mr. Crowley. I just love that solo. Uh-huh. He does a perfect blend of, like, um, blues stuff and classical-y sort of stuff. Yeah, and right. Kind of stuff. Like, he, he does the blues stuff at the right time. Like, it's just, I don't know. He, he's great. I, th- I yeah. think that about Schenker, too. 
Yeah. Very, uh, almost like they're cooking something, you know, a little bit of this, the right time. Yeah. A little bit yeah. of that at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Because too much diatonic gets just annoying, like fucking Ray Malmsteen. It's like fucking annoying. And if you're only blues stuff, it's like kind of, you know, it's cool, but it gets kind of boring too. So right. I think it's a perfect blend of like pop or classical sort of references and then blues scales and rock, Chuck Berry kind of stuff. Like, you know, right. It's great. What else did you have on Mr. Mr. Crowley? Um, really nothing. I, I love, you know, the, the solos, the instrumental harmony thing at the end is great. There's not really a, um, a, uh, like what you would call a classic chorus in it. Right. The chorus is the intro. Today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a unique form. Yeah, but those harmonics... The, or the, that dual harmony thing lead is so pretty and uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of like I started that made me want to do shit like that right yeah and the the ending melody that Ozzy sings too is great yeah it's just a great it's a really good chord progression for soloing over it's just a really sort of I don't know it's it's perfect for him to just go crazy over all you got to remember is to keep your B flat, right? And everything is else right? is natural. Every, well, isn't it? Everything else is natural. I don't natural. remember the key or anything. Of Mr. Crowley? Mm-hmm. That's D minor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so when you're cool. when you're leading over that, mm-hmm. the only, you know, you can just play all natural, but just any time you hit a B, just flat it. Oh, okay. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yawning. Are you getting tired? No, no, no. I'm fine. Oh, okay. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Cool. Yeah, so No Bone Movies, that's kind of, that's kind of reminds me of like a rock and roll ragtime kind of yeah. a... I love the feel of that song and with the slide. Did he, he never played slide anywhere else, huh? I don't know. Not That's even not. in Quiet Riot, I don't think so. I haven't heard enough to know to remember, but um I don't think he did in Aussie. I, I personally, you know, don't think it really fits no bone movies. But then I was thinking about this part of what brought brought me to the idea that this was a different move for him was that No Bone Movies is probably closer to what he did with Quiet Riot, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it, but I always thought of it as like the stuff that Ozzy was doing with Sabbath toward the end, like Johnny Blade or whatever, you know, rock and roll. Like they were singing about rock and roll and stuff, and it was just they were doing like a different style toward the end. Uh, and, and it was more rock and roll than like just kind of sludgy doom metal, you know. Oh, like Never Say Die and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, fast. It was got, more tempo. Yeah, it's got that. Da, 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 da. That, you know, that really upbeat melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's what I always thought of No Bone Noise. But then I was thinking today, I was like, well, maybe, you know, 
this is probably a little closer to what Randy was used to doing anyway, because he wasn't doing like dark, you know, he was doing poppy stuff, but I think it probably also had kind of a rock and roll yeah. attitude too, you know. I wish he would have done a carry your head off type solo because that song would have been perfect for him to just, you know, lay down some yeah. amazing licks like he always did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, something else that Max said in his, one of his interviews that I saw was that um, that Randy rushed really bad and that the concert, uh, a lot of the concert footage, not footage, um, what do you call that? Not footage, but the tapes they have uh-huh. aren't, aren't usable. They weren't usable for a live album because he rushes so bad. And that's my problem. <laughs> that's my problem. Like I, I, it's really hard for me. I think it's cause I was a classical guitarist. They say that classical uh-huh. guitars have a hard time cause they're used to, you know, rubato and speeding up and slowing down and, like you were right. talking about on the piano before. So um I I uh it made me feel good to hear that he had that problem because that's definitely my problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was like my hero, you know. So like on his leads and stuff or just his rhythms or I all... I got the impression that he was just always ahead of the beat and like I'm always ahead of the beat. That's just how he hears it. Uh-huh. he never really probably practiced to a metronome like like a lot of funk players do and you know um you don't know that you do it until you record yourself and look at the waveform really and you can see that you're always ahead and all you have to do is nudge it and then it sounds great you know but um it's 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 a drag and it's something i know i i've never really spent much time on to try Uh and correct I don't notice it when I play live. No one. I ask my drummers, like I always ask, do you think I'm rushing? And they say no. But um, the song "Steal Away." I know we're we're going to go back to Revelation, but just while we're on this topic, okay. "Steal Away the Night." It feels to me like it's rushed, and I don't know if it's Randy pushing it or if it's the drummer. Uh-huh. But it feels like it it kind of takes off after like the first section. Um, uh-huh to a new tempo and and I was, it made me think of what Max said like I wonder if Randy just like was so excited playing that song that he kind of stole the <laughs> stole the tempo uh-huh you know, it's kind of interesting oh, that's interesting yeah so revelation is like that's probably one of my favorite Randy so that and you looking at me those mm-hmm. are kind of like my, my two favorite, uh, you know, Randy moments. But uh, just the yeah. way that classical, when it when it first starts coming in, it's just like, that's real powerful. Yeah, it's really amazing. And the lyrics are amazing. I mean, we think right. about it, like singing about the environment. That's when you go. Ozzy's not a bad guy, or or whoever wrote it, or right? Dave, like, like, I don't know who you got it with that idea with. Dio wrote um, "Children of the Sea," which is kind of a similar um, 
message, I think, huh? about, you know, Mother Earth and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's, it's cool. You know, for me, it's cool because, like, being somebody who writes political music now, like nobody else does. But I grew up listening to some of it. Like, a lot of the metal dudes, and, like, people in the 80s were singing about um, nuclear war and stuff and, you know, anti-war songs, you know? Like, you don't have any anti-war songs now. Like, Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's a very moving song. And, yeah. and that whole piano interlude it. thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can just, down here? I just get lost in that. I don't know. But it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You should do a piano arrangement. And it's, yeah, it's piano and synthesizer. It's piano on top of the synthesizer, making it sound like strings, like, you know, a violin or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this album came out about eight months before Diary, because Diary came out, I remember it was Christmas, because I remember I got got it during Christmas. Well, I guess it was the same year, toward the end of Right, right. Um, Yeah. I think I have the cassette of this album. Dude, I wish that I had a, a tape deck and I wish they still made cassettes. Because uh, I would go back and learn a lot of that stuff again. And, like, you can't learn it off your phone. You can't stop it. At exact, you can't stop it at exactly the right spot. You can't rewind it right to where you need it. It's just like a pain in the ass. You know what you can do? You can get Audible. Oh, it's not Audible. What is it called? There's a free DAW, like digital workstation. Um, I forget what it's called. But um, you can put it into, like, a digital workstation, and you could, like, really zero it in if you wanted to. You could even slow it down. Also, YouTube, you can slow things down. Yeah. And the, the problem is you got that... No, I think the pitch is the same. The pitch is the same, but it's just like all the other instruments are like... Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I didn't know that until you told me that. So there's a, a couple things that I, I've slowed down. Like, oh. Yeah. I only tried it with that shanker solo that one time, and I couldn't figure it out, even though I slowed it down. <laughs> Fucking forget it. I'm not mentioning. You know, what's weird about guitar solos, like, you know, being a classical musician, you know that you can write shit down and you know exactly what the notes are. But when when you're listening to someone play lead guitar solo, you can never really know for sure, like beyond a doubt, exactly what they're doing. That's what's amazing about it to me. Like, I have shit that I recorded that I want to go back and learn it because I want to play it live. And a lot of times I have a hard time figuring out what the fuck I did. Yeah. It's it's weird, man. It's like it's kind of like elusive sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff I've like done where I I want to go back and, oh, that was cool. Let me learn that. And I can't even learn what I did. You can make up stuff harder than what you can learn, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And it's like an illusion. Like it's just like it's just 
it's sometimes it's and you know we watch I'm sure you watch these these guys on uh, YouTube who are experts at learning other people's shit and playing them for everyone showing showing kids how how to how to play solos and stuff. Sure. I mean I used to kind of see cover bands or I'd see people do a cover or I'd see people in guitar center playing solos and they never were even close. Right. I could tell. I was like, you're not even close. Right. And I thought I was pretty good at getting close, but there's even still, like, as good as I thought I was, there's still some things I just can't figure out. Yeah. And sometimes I'll see someone doing it, I'm like, oh, fuck, how did you figure that out? That's what it was all this time, you know? Uh-huh. Right. But almost well, you, no one you got real close. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I was just going to say, like, Almost no one gets it perfect because almost every single time I watch one of those, I can hear something that's different, you know? Right. Yeah. But I don't know that I could get any closer either, you know? Right. Then we even say, like, you know, I can't tell exactly what he's doing, but my right. guess, or, you know, this is what yeah. I hear. Yeah. That's amazing. I, that's one of the things I love about it so much is, like, it's, like, you're, you're it's, I don't know. Sort of like magic in that way, right? It's like right in front of your ears, right in front of your eyes. You can watch him do it on stage sometimes. And like I was watching that Schenker thing, I'm like, "What is he doing?" And I kept playing it over and over and over, and I'm slowing it down. And it's like I can't figure out what the hell he's doing. It's too fast. It's going by too fast, and it's like, like it's not following a pattern. It's kind of random. It's just right. It's just I don't he's know. just throwing his fingers around. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. in a you know any discernible pattern. It's like that's why it's right. hard to learn, hard to learn some of this stuff because when the guy did it, he was just throwing his fingers around. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes you're not even like in time. Like you're you're fitting notes in, you're fitting like seven notes in over like where normally there would only be six or something like because yeah. you're just fitting it in and it's not right. if you had to write it you just write like a triplet with a seven over it you know I don't know it's it's uh, it's interesting he lost me on that one <laughs> what a triplet, a triplet with a seven, with a seven? <laughs> yeah well you know like a quintuplet is like a triplet but it's a five it's got five uh huh so you play five notes like like Five sixteenths. Oh, so you'd play five notes in the space of what a triplet would take up. Right. Yeah. Or seven notes. Seven yeah. notes. Seven notes. Yeah. Or seven. Yeah. 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 You, lost you can me have on them that. at all levels. You can have it. You lost me on that kiss one too when you said they go into seven four. Oh, really? Did you listen to it? No, I I forgot. Yeah. But I'm you. You lost me on that. I'm off. Well, seven, like four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And you don't know it, you know. It just sounds like a catchy thing until you count it, uh-huh. and then you're like, "Wait, they're not going to eight, or that, you know, or they're not. Maybe it's, oh. you know, it. That's what all the prog kids do. They, mm-hmm. That's why they call it math rock, dude, because they count to seven instead of eight. That's why I always laugh at that because I'm like, it's not advanced math or anything. <laughs> it's like they're, <laughs> counting, they're counting to one number more than they normally would or something. It's like it's not that big of a deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> math rock. 
Well, cool. Uh, so, so you looking at me, looking at you was recorded live only, right? Uh, no, that's you said it all. Oh, right. Yes. The other you yeah. song. So, yeah. so I have that, you said it all, um, um, what is it, Suicide Solution AP or something? Right, yeah. They wanted to, they did Mr. Crowley live, and that they wanted to, one uh, single that wasn't on the album. But and they they were demoing it, but they never recorded it in the studio, or maybe they do, and it just never put it out. But okay. and then so that ended up being the the flip mm-hmm. side of like Mr. Crowley Five, because you said it all. Five. Okay, so that's one I had when I when we were uh, into Ozzy. Now the other one. You looking at me, looking at you is also my favorite, my second favorite Randy solo. I remember uh-huh. when I first heard that, I was just like, this is fucking amazing. That was like the perfect Randy solo. The accent, the act, those accent notes he puts. I don't remember exactly why I liked it, but I just, it was like a poppy song, which I always like pop uh-huh. kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, I don't know. It was just so perfect. I just, it was so exciting too, because we heard it later. And, right. Um, it was like something discovering new from him. Randy. Yeah. Yeah. But those leads he does over the F sharp, I can't learn those. Like yeah. the solo one, the solo, I can learn the solo. But the the stuff he does over the F sharp, you know, have like in between each verse, yeah. there's, a, there's like a lead. And it's mm-hmm. just like, a, it's just flurried. Yeah. I, I really like it. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. I kind of have an idea. Of what, yeah. yeah, he's he's like bending and and uh, like sliding down and pulling off. It just right. I like those bends he does on that, and you can really hear the doubling on that one too. Yeah, or tripling yeah. or whatever he does. Yeah, wow. that's got a good tension and release on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the documentary, you didn't see it yet, right? I haven't seen it. We should do it. We should we should do a, a thing on the documentary. I shouldn't talk about it now. Okay. We could also do one on uh, the book, the Rudy Sarzo book that I stole from you. <laughs> <laughs> you sent it back, didn't you? No, I have it in a box and I haven't mailed it yet. I can't. Don't worry about it. I went and got a box from the post office and I was going, oh, I'm going to mail it right now. And I was like, I don't have any fucking tape. I need to tape this thing up. Cause, and so I it, it got <laughs> just sitting Don't worry about it. I've phone. read it like three times. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to send it back to you. I ordered that- one, but it's out of print, dude. Like, I ordered it for you. And I was, that's why I asked you, are you still, were you, you know, living in the same place? You said, yes. And uh-huh. I ordered it for me like that moment. And then like two weeks later, I get like, your order has been canceled. Like why? It wouldn't tell me. And, um, I tried to do it again and I realized that it's just like not in print and nobody has one. Like it's, it must be kind of rare. I think. Oh, you should well, hang on it. to it. Hang on to it. Well, I'm going to send it to you. You got all my other shit. <laughs> Put it next to my put it next to my kiss albums. It, okay. 
<laughs> I steal your song. I steal your song and you steal my book. <laughs> right. We're, I guess I deserve that. Didn't I? I guess we're even. <laughs> no, That's you know awesome. it's you know it's cool now though. Okay, remember when we would buy a, a magazine just for the smallest picture of Randy, or if it had yeah. any any picture of Randy. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, God, there's there's all these pictures of Eddie, all these pictures of other people. But Randy was so at the beginning that, gosh, there's not going to be any pictures of him. And then now you see there's like millions of pictures. Yeah. Of him, of him with Ozzy and with Quiet Riot. Yeah. So why you know, why wouldn't they putting out any of those pictures? Like um, Neil Zlout, however you say his name, Zlauzor, Zlauzor. Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> Neil Zlauzor. Who's that? He was a photographer. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and there's and there's another couple of photographers that were always, you know, doing Randy's. I forget the, the names are on the tip of my tongue right now, but. Well, usually, you know, I, I, usually these guys probably take like a couple hundred pictures, so they pick the best few for the. You know, there's probably like hundreds of them from each photo shoot if they did photo shoots. Yeah, well, I'm talking like concert photos. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember how every once in a while, photos for every concert they went to, they probably just snapped. Yeah. Well, it wasn't digital back then, so they probably didn't have hundreds, but um, probably snapped a few reels of film at a concert. I would think. Yeah, I just remember I, like getting a p- picture of him was like a big deal. Yeah, and you know, I used to buy him when I was in college. Oh, you know, I came out here. LA to go to college and I used to go to Hollywood and used to go to these rock shops where they sold you know like different stuff like you know like headband like wrist leather you know stuff and different clothes rock and roll clothes and stuff and shirts but they always had photos and they were like real photos like and I only remember this because I found one the other day I have a Randy Rhodes it looks like I snapped a photo and went and got developed at the you know at the the drugstore or something because it's like that kind of consistency yeah I got about 30 of those oh really yeah okay because when they started becoming available I was like holy shit I started like I forget how I got them traded for them or um like uh um like where you go get concert tickets. Uh-huh. Like those uh like Ticketmaster or whatever those places. They would uh-huh. they would have them in there too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd buy them huh. from there. Yeah, they weren't cool. They weren't cheap either. Yeah, I can't remember what how much they were. I thought I had some more. I only found one in my photo box, but I stuck it in with all my normal photos. Like so, it's like pictures of me, and then there's like a Randy Rhodes. <laughs> kind of funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I posted some. I joined a Randy Rhodes group on Facebook, and mm. I posted some. I posted some like five or six. All right, man. That's all right, brother. So what's next? You want to do Diary of a Madman next? Yeah, I totally want to do Diary. All right. Sounds good. All right. We could do Tribute, except I don't want to do Tribute. (laughs) (laughs) We we could talk about Tribute while we...
to you, at, you know, like at the end of the diary one, maybe. Okay. Because I never really got into it. Okay, and we'll uh, yeah. We could talk about why. Okay. And see what you think. Okay. Cool. All right, man. Sounds good. All right. Well, take care. Thanks for doing this, and uh, I'll send you the link when it's up. All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All right. All right. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah.
it's really hard to just sit up here and play anything, so there's something you want me to play, uh, you know, try to play. I'll tell you what, are you coming tonight? It's a bit long. <laughs> and also, it, it sort, you sort of have to do all that loud. There's a lot of feedback and... But is there anything in particular in there? Like, Soul of the Mother Earth. Okay, it's an E. And it's very similar to a harmonic scale. It starts on E flat. And it goes up to E flat again. Then it's just an octave with the pitch. I'm trying to slow it down so you can see what I'm playing, but it'd be like... So it's just coming up from high E minor, there it goes. The only weird notes in there are the, the harmonic parts in E minor, which... Is, is that any help? I mean, I've got a, a very clean sound here, so it, if you want me just to play subtle, just like the record, it'd be better if you wanted to learn what I'm doing in it, because I could never really get the same sound. Hey, crazy. The lead to Crazy Train. The last part of Crazy Train is in like a round that you do. Okay. Like a, a, it's the last lead, uh, last part of the lead on Crazy Oh, the run at the end? Yeah. Okay, it's in F sharp. I'm trying to remember because I don't do that run live anymore. But it's... Uh, I think that's how it ends. See, uh, I know that's the run. I don't know the ending of the phrase I use in the records. But it goes uh, one and a half steps behind F sharp. Matter of fact, I'll show you an A if you like. Okay, so you're an A here. So that would be the same thing in F sharp. You know when you do this kind of stuff? Yeah. Is there a word for that, a name? Or is it just a stop? It's just uh, hammer-ons. Hammer-ons.